We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good evening, welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is the three amigos, the perfect way to kickstart your Newcastle United weekend. Good evening to George, Mitch and Steve. Good evening, everyone. Hi, everybody. Hope you're well. Hope you're well, chaps. Good to see you. And uh, Newcastle United, of course, have a game this weekend. Premier League action. Uh, game's coming thick and fast. 5.30 kickoff tomorrow at Molyneux. We'll get into the, uh, well, the nuts and bolts of that later on. But we will start with uh, yeah, news. On Sandro Tonali, and George seems to have a slight delay, which isn't good because uh, it means that he's uh, oh. about five or six seconds behind us. It's probably the weather. But uh, do you want us to boot, George, boot it again? No, George, we'll ask you a question first, mate. We'll, we'll talk about Tonali first. I mean, interesting. I've just watched the press conference with Eddie Howe, and Eddie Howe, as always, um, you know, basically batting with a straight bat, as we, as we often know. Um, gets gets eased into a press conference with Razor from BBC Radio Newcastle, um, who asked a couple of sensible questions about Tenali. But as the press conference went on, um, we entered into the, the territories of Louise Taylor. Uh, we entered into the territories of um, Martin Hardy. And, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, some of those questions that people asked today were absolutely frustrating. Even Scott Wilson. Uh, from from the Northern Echo, um, who often answers sensible questions, uh, asks sensible questions. There was there was almost pandemonium at one point because people were talking over the top of each other. I found it quite unprofessional from some of the press today. I've got to be perfectly honest. Um, and and the reason for for the confusion was that Eddie Howe answered a question at the start of the press conference and basically said, "We haven't had official confirmation from Italy yet or FIFA as to who or what." You know, the situation is we don't know whether Tonali is banned or not. There's a lot of information that's come out of Italy, but we haven't had official communication at the club. Now, Eddie Howe didn't um, say most of this today. Lee Marshall did, who was obviously head of press and media. He had to keep butting in and interrupting the press and telling them. So although it's expected that it's a 10 month ban, it's expected that he's going to be allowed to train. And it's expected that he's going to have to go through rehabilitation over the next 10 months. It's still not officially confirmed. 
which leaves us with the ludicrous situation that everyone and his dog seems to know that this is what the punishment is, but it hasn't been confirmed yet. So as a result of that, Eddie Howe has had Sandro Tonali training, as he's allowed to, and Sandro Tonali is, is going to be travelling from Newcastle to Wolves and, well, will be there probably now, I think the set off at two o'clock, in, in earnest and, and hoping that he's going to be involved tomorrow. So we've now got the weekend. You'd imagine there won't be any communication over the weekend. What a ludicrous situation this is. It really is. And it, it all seems to be because the football authorities in Italy and, and potentially FIFA uh, just haven't haven't picked up the phone and told Newcastle what's going on. And maybe just expect them to read it in the paper and take it as read. But interesting situation this, George. Um, what do you make of the situation? And if it is 10 months, do you think that's a fair punishment? Um not a lot to go on in terms of what's a fair punishment. It, it depends what you compare it against. What I find, find about it is, is that from the off, in fairness to the Italians, they have said that because he cooperated, his punishment might not as be as bad as it might have been. So 10 months is half of something by the sound of it. And I think I have a... Sigh of relief when I read 10 months because I was I had the horrors of thinking it may be nearly two years, which was would it be an absolute disaster. If it's true he can train, then that's wonderful. It's wonderful for the club. More importantly, it's wonderful for him. So he's not cast aside and left to fret on his own, which I don't think he would anyway with our lot, but um that, that would was a worry to me that the lad would be stuck wondering what the hell was going on for him, never mind anything else about the football club. Um, as to the press, well, I, I've twice or thrice this week daily pelted my phone because I was reading social media. It's something that some of the, the press press were saying, like uh, Snyder remarks by Craig Hope, like, well, what did you cats think they're doing? Are they going to have an open top parade for him? Uh, for Tonali next is that that kind of uh, cynicism just doesn't wash for me from a professional journalist. If you were saying something sensible, let you know, let let's hear it. But uh, yeah, to say, that's what he said. Um, that the, the celebrated that they're going to give him an open top bus parade. Well, Tonali's had nothing to do with that. He's just the, the kids just had to sit in the background and watch all of it go over his head. I think a slight relieved. Or more than slight relief to Nali because it's out, it's finished, and that's that's the big problem for any addiction. Is at the beginning when you when you're in think you're in control, it's all secret. Well, it can't be secret anymore now. So he's he's got to let it out, and sounds like we might have people in place to uh, allow him to let it out, and that would be that would be fantastic. The the press get worse and worse, in my opinion, as do the football authorities. The higher up they get, the worse they get. They get to me, um, whether it be UEFA, whether it be FIFA, and the Italian authorities, and we're all in Premier League. I mean, some of the stuff they do is beyond any other business. That did the sort of things that the Premier League do would be out of business very quickly. Um, it re they really are. Um, oh, well, Ivor Broadus used to call them the Blazers. I don't think he was far wrong because they're still the Blazers, as far as I can see. Because that's about the only credit they can get. Because because the way the the way the colour when they when they're representing the, the Premier League, um, so it's um, you you've outlined it, Steve. It's a mixed bag. 
Uh, we, we don't know is the, is the short answer. And until we do know, and Eddie Howe is right to say he doesn't know, we should play him. We should get every minute we can out of them legs before he disappears. And uh, uh, and if he if he can pick up where he left off uh, on Wednesday night, he wasn't on on that long. But while he was on, he, he made an impact. You know, there's, there's a there's a bloody good footballer in there. I can see why we bought him, and now we've got an opportunity to, to make him even better. I think, um, and let's get on with it. But all this speculation and press hounding. Uh, so they can get a get a, um, a headline or an article. Uh, it's just pathetic and uh, should be treated that way. Okay, Mitch. What are you, what's your views on this? It's 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 been a bit of a mess, hasn't it? From the um, well, you know, from, from the from the from the Italian side of things, I think. Yeah, we are again in a digital world where I'm sitting talking to you. Probably with better internet than my dad has. Three and a half thousand miles away. Um, and we can do all of these things at the touch of a button or the touch of a screen on my smartphone. Um, and yet we live in a football world where transfer deadline day still revolves around people sending faxes. <laughs> um, and and so this is just another example that that football authorities, when it comes comes to the crunch, seem to be stuck somewhere in the nineteen eighties when it comes to applying technology and common sense to certain things we don't even know what the actual terms of his ban are going to be will he be allowed to train for the full amount of time for part of the amount of time will he be allowed to play for the other 23s for the full amount of time or the part amount of time has he got to serve the ban in italy he's got to serve the ban in the uk none of those things which i would say are essentials for planning that player's recovery and rehabilitation are just not there and they're not clear and they're not being made clear to us and the press can have a go as much as they like but they never seem to have a go when every transfer window spurs seem to sign a player at half past midnight because the fax was delayed you know and and so they play this game where the technological hiccups and insufficiencies suit one way but it doesn't suit this way now because suddenly we're getting another game out of Tonali, which to be honest with me, my dad's right, in my opinion, we need every minute of these legs we can, especially now with the injuries that we're carrying. Um, and I think we've got a player who's motivated to deliver everything he can for it. Um, and I think really, um, we're looking at a, a situation where again, football authorities have this inability to communicate clearly and properly, particularly when it's across jurisdictions. Um, now we see that the, the trouble and the ease with which organisations like UEFA and FIFA can get away with certain things. Well, that got lost in translation. That never really got sent. That didn't come across properly. Well, we applied the ban here, but unfortunately, the legalities of it all, you know, uh, I mean, we can't do this, we can't do that. Is it any wonder why uh, the, the current farce with evidence here and being held in silence, um, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more later on, um they're coming up with something which we said ages ago they were obviously hankering for a big punishment but punishment was in their eyes so big they had to have an independent commission come and say actually yes you've applied your own rules correctly that shows a massive inadequacy in their ability to to, to police their own jurisdiction and trust their own rule book it probably shows a massive ins uh, insufficiency in their legal department as well which we've exposed in the past 
And I think this is the the, the way football is at the minute because you, you go back there, uh, FIFA under Blatter uh, and the current UEFA under the, the, the structure. Um, is it any wonder people get away with murder with it? Well, of course not, because they know how to play in those lines in between. Um, and I think this is yet another situation where the club and the player are being made to sort of sweat it out. Um, and we're hearing secondhand what the actual decisions are, effectively. There's still no official ruling, there's still no official statement, and there's still nothing reached the club. And so in that time, until such a thing happens, we are quite in our rights to play that player. And sod what anybody else thinks. And then if we're looking for a replacement, I hope the hell we take somebody like Neves from a Saudi on loan. And just right, like I said last week, right loan feed down this for the crack. To upset Jurgen. Whatever. Because I'm I'm tired of, of being on the receiving end. You know, we've spent the last 18 months walking across uh, the lake on the mill on on the, the lily pads, just treading so gently and trying to do things properly and in the end of the day it seems quite obvious nobody really gives a flying arse about what doing things properly because if they kind of deliver a decision prudently and timely so we can plan and organize and and be able to um see where we go in the next few months without tonali then that's not fair on us it's not fair on the player and it's, it's actually not fair on the premier league really from you know the point of view that the Italian FA are, are, are dragging their heels. Yeah, it's an absolute mess, Steve. This, uh, I mean, it's been bad enough. We've been drawn out through the media for the last couple of weeks, but then, you know, to get to get what we think is the sentence, the result, whatever, announced via media in in Italy, but not to have the club be given any kind of notice or call or anything up until Eddie did his press conference this morning is ludicrous. Yes, it is, Steve. But I think we're being caught in a um, an Anglo-Italian um, situation here, aren't we? I think the very fact that the Italians sorted out their own player uh, at Juventus and Fagioli and give them a suspension and everybody knew straight away. Yeah, I think because uh, Tonali is playing in the UK, playing in England, part of you know the jurisdiction of the FA, I think the Italian authorities have went, you know what? We'll do whatever we like. We'll notify you when we can be bothered. Um, it's the least of their worries, um, how it impacts on Newcastle United or how it impacts on paperwork. I wouldn't be surprised if paperwork suddenly arrives at the FA at 2 o'clock tomorrow and uh, Newcastle are just about to board the coach to head off to the game and uh, somebody from the Premier League comes running along waving a bit of paper going, he cannot play, he cannot play. You know, that's the sort of ridiculous situation that we've been putting us put into. But I think this is because perhaps at the moment, the English FA, Premier League and the Italian FA perhaps don't get on as well as people make out. Perhaps it's a little bit of bravado. Um, the Italians are very, very um, sensitive to the fact that the Premier League has this fantastic TV deal that they cannot get anywhere near. Um, so I think there's a little bit of jealousy involved as well. And if they can get one over on on, on the English and on the English authorities, I think they will do that. And I think that's what's happened in this situation. And as for the as for the press, well, again, it's part of the course. They're desperate for stories, desperate to put it out. Um, and you can always tell when they're itching for blood when the press room's full. 
Um, you know, when the names, you know, it, in the in the press, the conference goes on for for you know longer than the normal 15, 20 minutes. And when the TV all arrive, and it's an away game as well. It's not like it's a home game where they're all here for for uh, to to do their little bit at St James's Park on the following day and a little bit of riders around the around various stories. So all in all, I think I think we're caught up in more a political game, political game from some of the press, political game certainly from the Italian FA and the Italian authorities. And unfortunately, there's a young lad, 23 year old, um, who's caught in the middle of this. Some might say it's his own fault. Um, some might say it's the fault of society. Um, some might say that they couldn't care less. Um, some might say, well, he's a Newcastle player, so even better because it's given Newcastle a problem. But at the end of the day, he's a human being. Um, he has an addiction. He's opened up to his addiction. Let's just hope that when the ban, however long it is, um, is over, that he comes back a stronger person, um, both in his private life and in his professional career. Um, and then we all move on. And um, I think one thing we can say is that, unlike a lot of other players in situations that have occurred over the years, I doubt Tenali will be forgotten about. I doubt he'll be left to his own devices. Um, I get the impression that there are people within the club um, who do care about um, some of the some of the people under their charge. There will be other people in the club and in other clubs who would just forget about them. I listened to a, I listened to an interview with a, a professional footballer who talked and said, "When you're injured, you don't even hear from the manager. You never see the manager. In fact, he almost ostracizes you if you're out for a long time." Um, I don't think Eddie Howe's one of those managers. To be perfectly honest, I think that's more of a, I think that's more of an old school um, attitude. Um, especially managers who feel as though a player who can't be part of the setup and he can't use them is useless to him. I think that was the phrase that the pro used. Um, you're absolutely useless to me because I can't pick you. Get out. Come back when you're fit. Come back when your suspension's over. Um, don't want to see you. Don't want you hanging around. Um, we've seen what it's done at Manchester United um, with Sancho. Um Badly, badly put together. Let's hope that that Newcastle have taken heed of that and looked at it and realised that's not the way to go with a young lad, um, no matter what the problems are. But uh, you, I hope he's you seen the, the, you seen the latest on that one today. He's being taken his lunch in a lunchbox across the road. For yes, I couldn't believe that. Imagine it. He, he, he gets his lunch put into a box this, and taken over to another room where he sits on his own. And who's this? Packed lunch. Sancho. Sancho. At Man United. Wow. He's not just barred from the training ground. He's not allowed to go and eat in the, the dining hall in Carrington. He's, they, they take him to another part of the complex and he's taking his dinner in a, in a lunch box and he sits and eats his lunch on his own. I mean, that's I mean, not man management. That's bullying. Yeah. It's, that's, that's, that's the worst. Yeah. Schoolboy detective. I'd give it. I'd give it. Lunch. <laughs> Go well, on, I'll give you, give you a parallel. Um, I'm, a, I'm not going to mention the school, but I was uh, on a, go, a go, governor's a, of, a, of a primary school, and the head teacher's punishment when the kids didn't do their homework was to sit them on the stage at lunchtime in front of all the other kids and let them sit and eat their lunch on their own, on display. Oh. I, 
came home and told my Marjorie she fought social services. <laughs> and that was the end of that. That stopped that. I mean, that's that's punishment. That's wicked. Absolutely wicked. Yeah, definitely is. Uh, Sanjeev, good evening. New name in the chat there. Welcome, uh, my friend. Amigos, what is your view on drums in the stadium? Oh. I've still got a headache from Wednesday. And there was another question uh, from Ian. Ian, I've got your uh, the oh. DI Mets. They will be, they'll be going on the next week's show, Ian. Uh, I'm sure George wasn't saying, oh, God, to your photographs, Ian, because um, there's a slight <laughs> delay. Uh, do you think we should ban drums from away fans? I think it dampened the atmosphere on Wednesday. So thoughts on drums, George? Well, oh. I said to the lad that sits next to me that if uh, if I was up there beside them, the bloke with the drum would be going home with a smile on his face and one stick short. Um, really, truly, it it's just too much. It's like, it might well we we've got some as well. I mean, we've got some as well. I mean, th those idiots that go around with the band with the trumpets and all that sort of thing. I wouldn't want those next to me. Like you know, I, 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 the singing, I, I, you know, the singing's great because that's the support that's doing it. But heavy musical instruments, good God, and those. Drums were real. I mean, yeah, they, they, I'm not surprised he had a headache because if you're anywhere near them. But uh, my view was fairly simple. That, uh, if I'd been up beside them, he'd, he'd have been a stick short and, well, like, you know where you would have found it. That's for sure. Yeah, drums. I mean, uh, the Germans uh, have them in their, their grounds um, in the Bundesliga, Mitch. But uh, first time we've had to experience one. I mean, it was quite monotonous and boring. Uh, some people don't mind them. David McLeod says, I don't mind drums as long as I was a bigger. Uh, some people were crying out to, to set up war drums, uh, I noticed on social media. Uh, not what a, what a good idea, where they got the name from. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of drums myself in the ground. Uh, in fact, I did feel, um, and I've said this to a few people, that the, the atmosphere on Wednesday felt, it felt organised. It felt, it felt a bit contrived. The flag display felt too regimental. It wasn't spontaneous enough for me. Um, but I didn't think the atmosphere was that bad. And it, it's down to where you sit in the ground. Um, I thought Eddie Howe nailed it today when he said, ultimately, we have our part to play as the team. And we didn't play that well in the first half. Um, we weren't very good in possession and that affected our transitions. But in the second half, we played better. We played a lot better and the crowd responded. So I think Eddie Howe has a point. But I think, you know, when you try to conduct a crowd, which is what I felt was trying to be done pre-match, it does feel contrived. And I think the other thing to bear in mind is, again, Eddie Howe pointed this out, but the first game on Wednesday, uh, the first game in the Champions League against PSG was always going to be more of a special atmosphere because it was the first one in the Champions League at St. James's Park for 20 years. This second one was the second one. And it was, it, you know... It wasn't the best of nights. It was, it was a, you know, it was, it was a pretty awful night. People are walking up to the ground soaking wet. Um, you know, it. Lots of different things make an atmosphere, but I think what Eddie Howe said today was was fairly spot on. What, what's your thoughts on drums, though, Mitch, in the atmosphere? Pretty much with me dad. If there was a drummer sat next to me, be it hours or days, he'd be playing it by clenching his arch, arse cheeks by the time the second half came around. Um, but. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, it, it didn't quite come across. Um, I've seen a lot of people say how flat they felt it was. 
Um, and yet, watching over here on the telly, that didn't come across at all. And nor did the drumming sound terribly intrusive either. So obviously a lot of it depended on where you were sat and how the acoustics were working because the, the television acoustics certainly didn't have that coming across for me. Um, it's very uh, frustrating to, to read some of the comments about where people are going with it and how, again, the whole... Uh, we get to a point where it's fan against fan and people turning in, inward again. And it's their fault and it's them fault and it's that one's fault and what have you. Um, it, it takes a lot of different things to make an atmosphere, like you say. Um, and St. James's has always been quite synergistic. It was quite clear that the second half atmosphere for us was better because we played better in the second half and the two things go hand in hand. Um, I said, you know, when we're talking about Dortmund game, the two things they had in their favour was experience and organisation. And that's what they used. And that's what they used and that's what they played on. And, and and that's something for us to learn. Again, like losing the Carabao Cup final, it's, it's a learning experience for us. Um, and having away fans in doing something different is something for us to learn as well. You know, it, it, it wasn't... Uh, uh, Olympiacos fans threatening to gut everybody like they did West West Ham, you know. It's um, but it's always very um, different on European nights. Always brings a different flavour to St James's Park, that's for sure. Um, but it certainly didn't come across as that bad on the telly. Just you know, just to give everybody a different perspective from halfway around the world. Yeah, Steve, the uh, the drums. Some people thinking that. Uh... They've had like you know they've had like an opportunity to take them in, which wouldn't be afforded to, to Newcastle fans. I mean, maybe maybe away fans have been treated slightly differently, but um, you know it seems to have split the supporters. I got why Luke Edwards asked the question. He didn't ask it in a in a provocative way today, but um, yeah, drums do change things. But it's football. Football. It's what you see on the pitch changes the crowd, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's face it. We went out into that game in the first five minutes as though we were playing Crystal Palace still. Perfectly honest, I think that was the attitude. But very quickly learned that we weren't. We were playing a very, very experienced um, Champions League team. Team with vast experience in the Champions League. Who knew how to take on the challenge um, playing away in the conditions that we had. Um, as far as the drums concerned... I moved seats on uh, on Wednesday night um, due to work commitments. I couldn't get with George, so we had a quick shuffle around of the seats. And I ended up underneath the drum. Now, how unfortunate was that? Um, so the noise of the drum seemed <laughs> louder than it probably did to you, Steve, where you were sitting, or you, George, or even Mitch on the TV. Um, and I did turn around to the lad sitting next to us at the time and I went, is that a drum or is it a full American marching band? Because quite frankly, the beat just carried on and it was like, it wasn't just a single beat, that it was it was a constant cacophony of of different sounds that were echoing around that uh, in the in the stand. Um phenomenal to to think that there's a drum out there for 90 minutes. Um, God, who was it? Ginger Baker or somebody like that? 
he could really hit those skins. Ginger Baker and Keith Moon, because there must have been at least two of them up there. Um, and it did it did create a, a kind of European atmosphere that we've been that we've been crying out for. But when we get it, we we no longer like it, or some of us don't like it, you know. And it's 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 that mix. We're never going to get it right, you know. We've 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 got people who are brought up on 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 somebody sitting there quietly wanting to absorb the game. We've got other people who who are brought up wanting to sing the entire game. Some people would dance the entire game if they could. Anyone who's been to Germany for knows there are people with the megaphones who orchestrate the crowd. And this is going to bring back something that Mitch and I experienced in a conversation with Derek Lambias many years ago. But they have people who encourage and orchestrate the crowd and don't even watch the game. They've got that back to the game the entire match. I went to... I went to Schalke a few seasons ago and the away fans were boxed into a corner and the wall and fence around them meant that none of them could see the game anyway. And what's that all about? So you had this cacophony of noise coming from the away Hertha Berlin fans, but not a single one could actually see the game because they couldn't see over the fence. It was a wooden fence <laughs> blocked out completely. Couldn't not a gap in it, you know? So the Germans have some strange, strange habits when it comes to to fans. How they treat away fans is is different um, when you go to a Bundesliga to how the how they treat the home fans. Um, and I thought I thought the club got it right, to be perfectly honest, in terms of you know letting letting that friendship and that 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 sort of um, camaraderie develop. Um, I was with Dortmund team uh, for the three days. Um, and specifically the under twenty one, so I experienced a different side of of what was going on um, during the week, and uh, the work that they did uh, alongside Newcastle United, um, and especially again at the at the under twenty under nineteen game. So uh, it was a it was a, an interesting experience. But oh, if I had the choice, I wouldn't have sat under the drum. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Tom Lynch says, you're not going to start talking about the phone call from Derek Lambaris regarding European fans, are you? Uh, <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about that one. <laughs> moving on, moving on. As always, plenty to get through on uh, Friday night. Here is the DI Met. Yeah, I met where I ask you to send in photographs of you meeting somebody from Newcastle United, past or present. This is one of my favourite ones of the season. Uh, this from uh, Moza and from Alan. So there's Keegan, there's Eddie Howe, and there's Moza, just next to Kevin's hand. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Moza. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Um, quite, I think that's slightly cheap, that mother. Uh, but uh, if you've got a photograph, uh, Ian Russell sent one in uh, or a couple in for next week. If you've got one, send it to me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook, or send it to the lads if you're connected to them, and we will endeavor to feature you on the show and play this wonderful music. <laughs>
Okay, uh, lots of people uh, have lots of points coming in. Uh, we will uh, get through as many as we can, uh, as always. And uh, where do we want to go with this one? Uh, do you, yeah, I mean, Gavin, we covered that on the atmosphere. Do you and the lads agree that everything seemed a bit flat on Wednesday? We've covered that. Um, the blue, oh yeah, blue rhythm boy. Did a panel think the membership scheme, as it is now, has encouraged tourists and newcomers and watered down the atmosphere. I've seen lots of people saying it, people getting tickets and not turning up. It's interesting this, because Spenny, um, and I've seen others on social media come out with the same kind of talk about day trippers, George. Um, well, I'm, I'm surprised I'm surprised that we've got them, but we have got them. Um, well, and I think a lot of it's to do, unfortunately, uh, with the way that the membership scheme is being used by touts, because there is touts, um, whether you like it or not, they might not be outside the ground anymore trying to flog you a ticket. But I think what's happening, George, is I think there's been tickets uh, purchased, however they're managing to get them, and they're being put out onto the uh, onto the market, and people are buying tickets. And Spenny in particular, who does the fans forum, as you know, George, with you, mentioned people were purchasing tickets online for the game, £200. He bumped into people who... Didn't even know, you know, didn't even know what the Gallagher end was. Um, hadn't been to a game for twenty odd years. Um, you know, it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a mixed bag, shall we say, the other night for the Champions League. And it does leave you scratching your head a little bit. Um, but well, yeah, I mean the membership scheme thing is something which I don't want to spend too long on it, but it it does seem to be still causing problems all of this, George, and people are still getting a little bit irate on social media about it. And I'm not surprised. I was with Spenny on Wednesday night for quite a bit at the food bank because he came to see us. He wanted it. he owes us a hot dog and he was de desperate to give us it on Wednesday night, but I didn't didn't want it. But I was with him when he was talking about that, and there was half a dozen lads from Scotland, and they're the ones he's talking about who had tickets for where they were and they didn't even know they were at the Gallagher end. They didn't even know which part of Newcastle they were in. Never mind which part of the ground, and they'd bought the tickets online. Two, he's right, 200 quid a shot. Now, you can say it's the membership scheme. Well, I'm sorry, I'll go further than that. The club, with their ticketing scheme, have created their own black market, whether they like it or not. I mean, to be to be fair, if, if, a, mem if a supporter has given a ticket to a, a mate or a relative and they're like going in and enjoying the game, that's smashing. But they actually have seats empty. And, and seats appearing on on internet sites that haven't been it hasn't been happening before. That's an outrage. Now, if the membership scheme is part of that, and it must sound as though it must be, then they need to look at that as well. The membership scheme as well. It's just a shambles, Steve. And it, mm. as I've said on here and other places before, I re, I rejoice in our um, takeover and, and all the the good things it's brought. But the one group of people that have suffered. Are the bloody fans, in my opinion, and that 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 can't be right, can't be right at all. And this is another example. And as I say, I was with Spenny when all that was happening, and uh, he's absolutely right. Gobsmacking that somebody was standing in front of where he should be, and he didn't even know what part of the ground he was in. Yeah, Mitch, disappointing. We're hearing more about it. Michael there, another issue talking about tickets, couldn't make it on Wednesday. I tried to transfer me ticket to a friend, but it wouldn't let me. Told me I've got too many friends and family on my list. God, not, a, not another glitch. Yeah, you must be on mute, Mitch. It's all of this and more. Um, if I could share some of the conversations I've had 
privately with a number of people over the last two weeks. Some of it would blow people's minds. I've shared some of it with Steve, but not all of it. Um, I don't like to get involved in conspiracy theories. Um, but the more it goes on, um, and the more you see, and the more you hear, um, it goes from anecdotal to more than a coincidence to there must be something in there. The challenge for us as a fan base is as we grow globally, it's the price on the ticket. It, it, it gen genuinely is. I remember walking through Stanley Park going to the Liverpool game and hearing nothing but Scandinavian accents as I walked through Stanley Park. All wearing red shirts and red scarves. Um, and I think that's the kind of globalisation that will will come to us. Um, or the club. One of the things I think we said a long time ago was that this was one of the prices on the ticket. But also, we cautioned that the club do seem to be trying to be all things to all people. They're trying to make season ticket holders, you know, buy into cup schemes that gets guaranteed money and income. But then they want to elevate members so that season ticket holders kind of buy extra tickets, but then therefore members get a bigger chat at that. However, they've expanded the membership base to we don't know how many members there are for how many tickets. But there's definitely a greater chunk of tickets going to corporates. Two or three of the stories I've had this week about people sitting in tickets where they were either given them or they picked them up or someone else and where this ticket had come from and who the ticket had come from and who they were sat next to. It was all very interesting stuff. But I think it's, again, it's the club trying to grow quickly. Um, but the collateral damage in that, once again feels like it's the ordinary fan. Mm. Almost taken for granted, if you will. Um, and that then leads to people writing articles about Johnny Cumley, he's in tourists and getting quite angry at them and getting upset about them, which is not what we need when we're trying to grow globally and trying to be inclusive and embrace everything. But the driving force behind this is 100% the club what they want to do with ticket partnerships and how these tickets are getting onto the black market. Um, they do seem to have created their own problem in some ways, which is really not on. I think there's a there's a glitch in the system, Steve. Um, that's my thoughts. I genuinely think that there's that many tickets that are coming, that are coming up on... Oh, I'm just going to stop that because Mitch has disappeared and now he's... Uh... Yeah, the, the volume was it was I was getting a bit of feedback there. Yeah, the um the I think there's a glitch. I genuinely think there's too many tickets becoming available on these websites that it can't be a glitch. And I think because Newcastle have gone digital now, I think that there are touts who are out there who have had the experience of buying tickets for Manchester United, Liverpool, Manchester City over over the last few years and were ready for Newcastle's digital revolution. 
And because Newcastle's successful, Newcastle are a target for people who know what they're doing, like technology-wise. So I think there must be a way that people are able to maybe jump the queue or get in behind, get get in front of other people who are queuing. Do you know what I mean, Steve? Yeah. So I, I think know exactly these. What you mean, Steve. I think I think these people are becoming. I think these people who are not Newcastle fans, but who are touts, are becoming Newcastle members because it's unlimited. You're allowed to become a member. You can as long as you pay your money, you're a member. But if you go on on a morning to try and book a ticket, you can jump the queue. I think that that's the only thing I can come up with because. There's always a flaw in technology. There is always a loophole and a way of getting around things. Yeah. And that is the, and that only, is the ex- only explanation that I can come with. I'm getting feedback from you there, Mitch. Uh, I don't know why. Um, getting some terrible feedback. So I'll, I'll just leave you muted for now. Um, yeah. What, what's your thoughts, Steve? Because this this is obviously becoming a bit of an issue now. Yeah. Well, you can you can buy a ticket for 37 quid, the membership. And with that membership, you're going to get 19 chances to get a ticket. Okay. Now, what's actually happened is that we've got ourselves into a situation that we're basically very, very similar, if not identical, in terms of our ticketing system as Ticketmaster. And Ticketmaster, we all know what happens there when a gig appears, a big gig. Uh, Let's take the Taylor Swift uh, tickets that were put up on sale uh, a couple of months ago, they all got snapped up within a matter of five minutes because the algorithms and the bots um, are able to jump in and they're able to nab a ticket within a second, whereas it takes the interaction of a, a person like you or me or an ordinary fan possibly 20 seconds, 30 seconds to move around the screen, click the appropriate boxes, etc., etc. So the, this this artificial intelligence that they use has gives them the ability to nab a ticket straight away. So that's when you cast Nate have fallen flat. They've allowed someone to become a member, 37 quid. Let's say they sell those, let's say they're buying those 19 tickets for 40 quid. What what what's that going to come to? I don't know. Let's do it. Let's do the maths while we're on. Forty times nineteen. That's seven hundred and sixty quid. They're selling for three hundred. They're getting what five thousand seven hundred quid. So it becomes a nice little earner for the tout. So if he then goes out and gets himself another thirty-seven pound membership and another one and another one and another one, he's making a profit of. £4,000 on every membership. He's got a system, because he's operating using a bot, and he's got a system whereby he's jumping ahead as soon as those tickets come on sale. So we're chatting about it with a friend today. When you go onto that membership site and you go to choose your ticket, and you see it flashing and then disappears, that's because the bot's got in before you. Not because Mitch has got in or George has got in or you've got in ahead of us, Steve, because the bot got in. As soon as the ticket came available, he's nabbed it, nabbed it, nabbed it. So whenever you're trying to get it, you think you've got 20 seconds, 30 seconds, but using the using that artificial intelligence system, they nabbed it. So there you go. So that that's that's part of the problem. But they've brought in a, a system with no safeguards that's basically a direct copy of something like 
a ticket monster is going to be using. And as I say, you've seen it at gigs, you've seen it at concerts. I don't think it's fans selling on to fans. There will be that occasion. That 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 will happen. Um, but I think what they've done is they've taken a sledgehammer to crack a nut. And when they've done it, they've realized they've smashed the whole packet. You know, when they when they when they've hung, when they've swung that sledgehammer, it's smashed everything that's in, in the bag. And they only wanted to smash that one nut. And unfortunately, they haven't managed it. Um, the the problem with the ticketing was never the home tickets. It was the allocation of the away ticket that people, some people had an issue with in terms of not being able to get to away games. The away ticket allocation has been shrunk somewhat because of corporate. We know that. Um, we know that anecdotally from talking to people who travel home and away um, constantly have done for years and they, they're noticing that when they travel to games now, they also know that that certain certain club sponsors are getting more tickets than ever before. We know that corporates used to get maybe two tickets. Now they're, now they're getting four, six and eight. They're getting offered tickets for away games. I know of people in the corporate area who... I know of one particular guy who wanted to have uh, wanted to get a corporate ticket for his wife for an away game. Um, he's a, he's a corporate ticket. He's, sorry, not a corporate ticket. He wanted to get an away ticket for his wife to travel with him. He already has tickets in the corporate area, and when he said, "When do I apply?" Because she's only got twenty points, and I've got eight hundred and fifty. But when's the best time for me to apply so we can get seats sitting together? He was told, "Oh, don't worry about that." You're covered, mate. You're covered. You're, and he was going. I don't want to be covered. I want. To, I want to go by the proper way because I want to look the people that I that I travel with in the face and say we got our tickets legitimately. We got it at the twenty point ballot point, and we both picked them up. But no, no, it's all right. We'll sort your wife out. We'll sort your wife. Out. It's what he was told by the by someone in the box office, and he was horrified by that. Um, look, there are uh, instances like that, and I think. I've heard of I've heard of one or two other things which I I need to I need to explore a little bit further before I'll come back on the show and say that's that's a definite. If what I have heard is true um, and is something that's there, then I think it would probably blow an awful lot of people's socks off as well. Um, well, I'll give people a flavour of one of the conversations I've had this week without naming names. I've had a conversation with somebody who was one of our main sponsors. And one of his KPIs is to make sure all the tickets he gets given are used. Mm. Because last season, they didn't all get used. And he got his ass kicked for it. So it's an easy way to get them. <laughs> and and I sort of sat gobsmacked for a little bit, thinking, well, how many tickets are we talking? And it's a lot more than you think. And uh, are they ending up on resale sites? I've got no idea. Well, if he's under pressure to make sure his tickets are used, um, I don't think he's doing it irresponsibly, by the way. I think that's why he wanted to reach out to Newcastle fans, to speak to Newcastle fans. But it's, um, it, I find it amazing that that's, you know, the, 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 one of his measures of success is to make sure all his corporate tickets get used. Not just handed out, but get used. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, just to keep Bill happy, we'll move on from tickets. I know, he, I know he gets frustrated. Uh, John Askew, good evening. He says, there's a theory going around that our last transfer window was poor. I've never believed it and don't know. What do the Amigos think? And in view of the injuries in the Tonali situation, do we need to revise our expectations for the season? Um, well, I'll answer, I'll answer first. Um, you know, I don't think the transfer window was poor, John. Not at all. Um, I don't believe that at all. And I'm not sure who would even think it was a poor one. Um, you know, and I think Eddie Howe was happy with the, the squad when, when, the, when the season kicked off. But by his own admission, and we all know, this season was going to be different because ultimately the Champions League has, you know, arrived. Newcastle are playing more games. They've progressed in the Carabao Cup. It's always going to be difficult when you're in every single competition. And Newcastle want to do that season in, season out. So I don't think that the transfer window was poor. We've just been unlucky that we've been hit with injuries to our attacking line, um, as we have done. And, you know, for me... I think, depending on what happens with Tenali and depending on what happens with other players moving forward over the next two months, depends on what we do in January. Eddie Howe says he's not really concentrating on it. He's got an eye on it. Uh, but Dan Ashworth will certainly be, you know, looking at things and, and planning things. But I don't think it was a bad transfer window, George. What do you, what do you think? No, neither do I. I thought it was quite a good one. It didn't disappoint me at all. Um, the, uh, the the squad that we've got, which should be uh, should be okay. I, I you know I was absolutely delighted, for example, on Wednesday to see Willock show his face. I didn't I didn't expect him for another couple of weeks, and there he was last night. And uh, others will be coming back in slowly but surely. So. So I'm not that devastated about it, but it certainly wasn't a disappointing window. I mean, it, it, we filled in places where I hoped we would, and we filled with quality. I mean, uh, the little I've seen of the, of the younger ones that have come in, I, I can't wait till they get uh, get involved in, in, in the first team squad uh, regularly to put a bit of pressure on uh, some of those that think they own the shirt. So, no, I'm not, uh, not disappointed with the window, definitely not. And uh, not overawed about um, the expectations we had. We, we we knew we were going into a Champions League. The other thing that uh, people seem to forget about is that, that in last week's uh, last week's last year's Premier League, um, we were the new boys on the block. We were the ones that just escaped relegation by the skin of our teeth, and people people didn't expect us to do what we do, did last time. This time they are expecting us, so they're all doing something different. Um, and we're meeting people that have uh, thought a bit more about how to play Newcastle United. It doesn't always work as those that have been walloped 5-1 and so on. Uh, but no, I'm not uh, not disappointed, not disheartened about what's happening and uh, uh, always looking forward to the next match. Uh, it can only get better, is my view. Benny, that's a good point on tickets, by the way. Could the club find a way to use AI to combat the AI bots buying the tickets? Uh, corporate ticket allocations, clearly another issue. Dare I say, we need to question our board, Amanda, and Peter Silverstone, and Darren Eels, Benny as well. AI bots, spot on that, Benny. That's what. That's the kind of point that I was alluding to, that you know, bots um, can, can be used to buy tickets, and bots are quicker than humans. AI bots are quicker than humans. 
some of you be out there going, what nursing AI bot? Well, don't, don't get us wrong. I'm not an expert on this, but these are the kind of things that online touts have and can use to their advantage. But we've moved on from tickets. Was it a bad transfer window, Mitch? I thought AI yeah, bot was a revolutionary leader in Vietnam. Um, <laughs> it, look, it's um, we've been exceptionally unlucky with players we've brought in in that window. Barnes has picked up a foot injury that football players rarely pick up. Um, rugby players and American football players much more common because of the way tackles work and the way people land on your feet. For Barnes to pick up a list Frank is really, really unlucky. Not many footballers do that injury. Um, could we predict the Tonali situation? Well, that's, I think that's a, a very good question for the recruitment team and to ask the player and the selling <laughs> club about what they may or may not have known. And I'm quite sure things will be taken in that direction once we know exactly where we're at with it. So for those two, um, you know, you, if anybody had list Frank injury and gambling addiction on their bingo card, very well done. Because I wouldn't have picked that. And I think that's what taints the window. Is you look at those two signings um, and we've effectively lost them for significant chunks of the season and into early to probably till the end of the season. Um and you have to look at his situation, like I said last week, like in an ACL or something like that, treat it like that. And yes, it will probably um, change our opinion come uh, January about what we might want or not want to do to change and add to the squad. Um, Livermento and Hall are being brought in with the future in mind, I'm quite sure of that. And I think um, in time, once again, come back to the same statement. We trans we progressed to the, the last round in every competition we're still in. We'll play 60 odd games. Triple kind of play 60 odd games. <laughs> you know, so that, that's what they're there for. They're there to, um, to bolster the squad. Um, I think there's a lot more holes locker than people realise. I don't think he's going to end up as a left fullback. I think he's been brought in with something bigger in then. Um, also, this might be an opportunity for Eddie to, to say, right, these are the players we've got. Do we need to think about a reshifting system to maximise the players that we've got in the in certain positions? Um, there's certainly a number of different ways he could go, but only he knows whether he's prepared to do that or he wants to stick to the system he's got and therefore use the players we've got in the roles that he envisages. Um, got no doubt in my mind that we'll now see Gordon reprise his role as a central striker as he did for the under-21s in the summer. Because I, I just can't see Callum Wilson playing five games in a row and his marshmallow muscles blasting that out. It's just not going to happen. He needs rest, recovery, etc. Um, I know that in terms of, uh, it sounds like he's that injury maybe isn't as bad as the thought, but either way, there's going to come a time soon where he's probably going to be asked the question can you play through this and that's a risk that's a big gamble and a gamble that i would rather we didn't take but we might have to so um i think the, the window is not the disaster it is i think we've been exceptionally unlucky in terms of how two of the main ends they've picked up um time away from the first team for different reasons 
you couldn't don't think we could have predicted that uh, and i think the rest will all get their chances and all get used at some stage and so um and i'm and i'm quite sure going forward january i've got no doubt that um midfield will be added to and i've got no doubt that we'll think about what we can do up front as well Yep, Steve, lots of people having their say about the transfer window. I think most people think it was good. We've just had no luck with the injuries, as Mitch has alluded to. Harvey Barnes and Tonali are two biggest signings, both sidelined for a prolonged period. Eddie Howe claiming that potentially uh, Barnes could be back as early as December, which is slightly more, which is, you know, happier news. But, you know, confirming that Elliot Anderson had woken up after the Crystal Palace game with a bad back and he's out for two months. Um, obviously, we're, we're now going to be without um, Isaac potentially until the international break in November, which means he's going to miss five games, five key games. Um, and of course, you know, we've got Bruno teetering on a suspension with four yellow cards at the moment as well, which which could add insult to injury. Not to mention Jacob Murphy, who's dislocated his shoulder and is now in the same position to anybody who does that, really. You either go in for surgery, which means you're laid out for a few months, or you play on. Uh, with the risk of it popping out again, so lots of lots of uh, lots of bad news. Really, the only good news, of course, the return of Willock. Um, you know, and and of course he'll be treated with kid gloves. Sven Botman, of course, still on the sidelines as well, potentially a couple of weeks away from a return. So yeah, lots of lots of problems. But this is what comes with playing games. And again, I, I'll repeat. I'll repeat. I don't think it was a bad transfer window, Steve. No, um, it wasn't a bad transfer window. The only criticism I had was that we didn't pick a striker up. I think, we're, I think, like the vast majority of people, we thought going in with two strikers, um, considering Anthony Gordon as a striker when really he's he's a he's a goal scoring attacking midfielder for me. He's not the target man, um, but now he's going to have to play in that in that sort of. Restyled deep number nine uh, in the pockets, sort of striker buzzing all over the place and dragging people up in the hope that some of our midfielders can can then exploit the gaps that he creates. So I think not getting a striker, a proper striker, you know, a goal scoring uh, striker that we were classed as a number nine was probably the the only the only error. Um, everybody was making a big thing about. On there about whether everybody you know did Milan know about uh, about Tenardi before he signed, was signed was sold him. That then puts into question our the due diligence that we took on the, on the player itself because obviously we didn't know as a football club that there was a potential suspension hanging over him, um, or even that he had this particular problem. Um, Maybe we did know about the problem, but we didn't know about the suspension. But I, I look back at the Tenali signing and I think it suddenly all became very rushed. Because all the way through, yeah. his name never got mentioned and we were just talking about Barella instead. And then when eventually, we, you know, it looked as though Barella was the signing that was on his way, Barella turned around and said he didn't want to come. And within a matter of less than a week, it was Tenali, Tenali, Tenali. He signed and he's here. And he's coming in on an aeroplane. And um, I wonder whether we did rush it. I wonder whether we didn't dig as deeply as we maybe did with Barella or we'd done with other players. Um, if if there was a question mark about the signing, um, it would be a question mark that I would level at 
the names that came up before. Um, the the chairman, or sorry, the chief executive and the sporting director, um, who obviously pushed for the signing and the team behind the rest of the rest of the team that look out of, out out of our for our transfers, um, because we're told and we have been for a number of seasons now. And at the start of every season, there's an article in the Chronicle that tells us that we do an awful lot of work. We watch players for an awful long time before we sign them. We know what they've had for dinner, what they've had for tea. We know every single South American player that's ever been because our our head scout um, has a dossier like nobody's. I mean, how many times have we read that in the Chronicle or in the Shields Gazette and the, or the Newcastle World? This is the... This is the the preseason story that that builds up as part of the transfer um, goings on, but did they know about Tenali? Yeah, I, I still I still can't get my head around it, Steve. Um, it'll all come out in the wash, though. It, it well, it has to. It absolutely has to, and it'll come out in the wash when, as some of those little statements that have been made, you know, somebody put up there that they thought that that. AC were definitely gonna go. Um, we're definitely gonna be be sued by Newcastle. You know that Gazetta della Sport are already reporting that over there. Newcastle are gonna go for a multi-million pound um, claim against them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Again, just press talk and press speculation, and um, because Gazetta della Sport know absolutely nothing about the 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 contract or anything like that. Nobody does know unless you're a, a lawyer at Newcastle United or you're linked to the player, will you know anything about the player's contract? And let's face it, the one thing that Tenali's agent isn't going to disclose is what was in that contract, because he doesn't want his player involved in some other ridiculous uh, situation um, and being involved in having his name dragged through the courts with the football club. Um, he also doesn't want the finger pointed, because some people will claim that if this happens, who's the person who's liable for it all? Perhaps it's Sandro Tonali. Um, he's still going to be getting paid, and there will be there will be sharks out there uh, who will will claim that you know Newcastle United um, have had their pants pulled down, and the person at fault maybe isn't so much the club that sold him, but the player who got sold um, because he benefited as well. So the, it it creates a whole maelstrom of a mess. Um, it really does. But uh, we're just we're just going to have to work through this one, Steve. And as a as a fan, quite frankly, the minute the the minute the player's not available, although I've said that previously, it, the the play, people in the club will be supporting them. In terms of where we are on the pitch, we have to forget about talking about Sandro Tonali in the negative um, and not being available because we just have to get on with it. We just have to go and watch the team. And the eleven players that 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 get put out uh, to represent Newcastle United, there's not all all the talking in the world isn't going to help our situation or Tenali's situation um, or the club situation because ninety nine point nine percent of it is just going to be that just rhetoric and talk. Yeah. Okay, folks, uh, we're going to play the ads. We'll back after this. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and bins, telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky Sauters, handmade in Cumbria. 
You can find out more about them from their website, mrviggies.co.uk, or by calling 01768 210102. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to United Group Travel, UK coach holiday firm based in Morpeth. There's no strangers on their tours, just people you haven't met yet. They're now taking bookings for 2024. You can call 01670 632 460 0791 4174 or 07957 141654 or go to the website com. Please subscribe to the channel. Hit the subscribe button underneath the video today. We still do seven shows a week. Hit the thumb up under the video to like it. It does us a big favour. Click share to share to your other social media and let people know about NUFC Matters. We're also a podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. If you want to help the show financially, you can take out a £25 one-off membership. You get a scarf, a pen, a cup and a membership card. How do you get it? Go to nufcmatters.com, look for membership. If you've got a smartphone, then put your smartphone over the QR code and it will take you straight to that section on the website. We also support the food bank on this channel. You can donate to the food bank today by going to NUFC Fans Food Bank. .co.uk. We do support events on this channel as well. If you've got an event, please send it in and we'll promote it. The Time Theatre and Opera House are doing a Keegan, Beardsley and Waddle event, the Class of 84, 25th of January 2024. Book now by calling 08 And the Tyneside Irish Centre, they're doing an event with Frank Clark and John Gibson on Thursday, December the 7th. You can get tickets from NUFCMatters.com and they are priced at £15. There's also some uh, tickets available on Groupon. Don't forget, you can catch me five days a week, Monday to Friday, with Rye, Dave and Daz on the Northeast Footy Brecky Show, 7 till 9. And you can catch us on The Red, The Toon and The Cat and on Toon Radio's website. Watch up us on the day 030 043 2002. The perfect way to start your day. Okay, it is time for Tweet of the Week. And if you're easily offended, look away now, because uh, there is some <laughs> offensive, <laughs> offensive tweets that some of our uh, watchers send in. Uh, here's $45 billion, lads, found in a Nigerian man's flat. Apparently, he'd spent 10 years trying to get rid of it, but no one answered his emails. Uh, I was incensed when I saw two men urinating next to my new Ford until they explained that they were with the website (laughs) webuyanycar.com The Muppet Muppet Show predicted what most women would look like in 2023 back in 1975 Spot on And my son was asked to combine two animals for his biology class he has a nice hook. And he has a photograph of when you leave the potatoes in the bag for a month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. 
Yes, I disappeared there, lads, with an internet glitch, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, when you leave the potatoes in the bag for a month, I think you got that one. Uh, look closely how long until the wife finds out. Can you see it? Oh, lads? brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> That's fantastic, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Star Wars. There's Darth Vader. Can you see him? Boba Fett. The yeah, Absolutely brilliant, that. Cheers Very for that one. Happy birthday, daughter. I hope you like the gift. That's excellent. He's happy. Uh, He's happy, yeah. And another child one here from Ian Hull. Apparently, my kid doesn't know how to spell pennies. I love pennies. Oh, <laughs> there's the leprechaun coming in saying, I smell penis. <laughs> and the wheel can wait. I decided to invent the razor blade first, says the caveman. <laughs> yeah, me. Couple of restaurants, yeah. well hung cock and uh, fishy minge. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Don't fancy a Chinese after that, mate. Uh, and when you say you say Bull finishes in nine point eight seconds, and when I finish in nine point eight seconds, <laughs> trials and tribulations. Uh, things adults shouldn't believe in anymore: Santa Claus, the Tooth Fairy, the Easter Bunny, and Manchester United. United. <laughs> nice one, Joey. And for the amigos from Sam, uh, he says, the lads have come a long way for the game. That was you, that. <laughs> Chewbacca and uh, Darth Vader at the match. Is, uh, that, Vin? Is that Vince there? Uh, did they have tickets? The membership scheme. Bought them for oh, two, right. 200 quid at the Han Solo bar. Uh, tweet of the week from Jimmy. Something tells me that Roadrunner and a coyote were somehow involved. <laughs> <laughs> and Halloween's on its way, lads. I, di I did like this. Michael Myers' mask from Halloween was in fact a Captain Kirk mask that they cut bigger eyes through and brushed the hair and painted white. Now, did any of you know that? I didn't know. Yeah, I, I did. Oh, you did? Yeah. I, th I think they turned it inside out as well. Ah, right, okay. Well, there we go. So that's that's a, there's your Halloween treat for this week, uh, this week lads. Uh, Sarah, it seems you've been drinking. Could you say the alphabet, starting with M? Malphabet. Malphabet. <laughs> and here's some evidence of global warming, lads. Uh, 1900, 1940, 1980, 2000, and 2020. <laughs> Hello, this is your neighbour from downstairs. Stop emptying your ashtray over the balcony. Thanks to, <laughs> to, to Donald for that one. And uh, properties in Sunderland, Seaburn, <coughs> detached studio flat. A uh, five hundred pound a calendar month, <laughs> like skips and bins. All right. And another one from Paul. I'm making a new documentary on how to fly a plane. He's currently working on the pilot. Oh, Paul, man, very good, Paul. Uh, a wise doctor yeah, once wrote. That is clever. <laughs> like that. And the Flat Earth Society has members around the globe. Thanks to well, I think it was I think it was Mitch who sent us that one. And Scout says, don't forget to put your clocks back this weekend. Oh, dear me. They get some hammer, don't they? And mum, put broccoli on my dinner. So I put deep heat on a dildo. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> says the cat. There you go. And Disney's updating Star Wars. There's Tran Solo. <laughs> and uh, Free Gaza. I've, we've seen quite a bit of this this week. <laughs> It's not the Gaza that needs freeing, I'm afraid. Pumpkins from Turkey. 
And you know you're getting older when you use the word thingy all the time because you can't remember what stuff is called. I think we're all in that particular boat now, mate. <laughs> and sorry, your, your username and password don't match. <laughs> That's brilliant, by the way. <laughs> and this is the last time I tried two in the hole, lads. <laughs> oh, God. I should keep out the kitchen. I can't quite read what it says. Uh, Two-timing bastard is what the uh, sheep's saying on that um, on that sign <laughs> towards the bloke. How's the allotment? <laughs> the bloke, yeah. And before calculators, people used an... Abacus. Well done, Jeez. that man. Well done, Abacus. that man. <laughs> uh, and uh, can you do night shift? No, but I can do a mean... Three times a lady, fancying, <laughs> and uh, mama just grilled a ham. Thanks, Jimmy. People do know I like to sing oh, these songs. Dear. Okay, uh, and the winner this week, guys, is this one. Very steep and too high. This is an actual review, lads, on Ben Nevis. Uh, it's an absolute cork of this. This was almost a full day's climbing. And my girlfriend was crying at some point. Uh, we were climbing Mount Snowden. It hasn't even got a pub or a restaurant or toilets at the top. Luckily, we brought some sandwiches and drinks. So anyone climbing this, be warned. There are no facilities at the top. The climb basically went on far too long. And the last part was particularly steep and difficult. It was also cloudy at the top, as the view was non-existent. The long walk back down was boring and again took too long. Brilliant. <laughs> That is absolutely brilliant, that. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Keep your, uh, keep your <laughs> tweets coming in, folks. We will endeavour to put on as many as we can each Friday. Okay, um, Gary V, good evening. It was interesting listening to Eddie's comments today about possible strikers and forwards if we run into injuries. You are right. And Ian, again, going on about potential transfers etc if we're in fifth or sixth come january do you think pif will give the green light for a spending spree now we have some large monies coming in yeah lots of bad deals being done and uh, david spillett asking do you think the suggested nevers from saudi loan uh, it'll upset some journalists lots of people talking about that and another question about transfers um from benny uh, are we ruling out ekatiki in january Hart says one thing, Head says another. Kind of profile player we could do with now as long as he's actually a good lad. I guess the question I'm going to ask you, George, is do you think we'll spend big in January regardless because of the commercial revenue that we've got coming in? And um, do you think the Neves swap deal, um, maybe Tonali going out there to train in Saudi to get away from the public eye um, and and you know, Neves coming the other way uh, for the end of the season. And do you think Ekatike is a possibility? Would you go back for a player that didn't want to come in the first place? Well, I, I think, uh, no, I wouldn't go for Ekatike or whatever they call him. Uh, once bitten, twice shy is, is my view about that. I mean, he didn't just have one chance to come. He had several chances to come. And each time he, he thumbed his nose because he wanted to go to PSG. So I would let him roast on his, his rocks at PSG, I'm afraid. Um, I think there could be one major signing in the transfer window. I don't say we're going mad, though. Um, 
on the other hand, do we have we seen all the revenue that's coming in yet? Is there, is there going to be something else that will surprise us and make it possible for us to do even more in, in the transfer window than we, than we imagine? But I think there'll definitely be one major signing, and I hope, uh, like so the lads, I think, is that it'd be another another striker, a, a very positive striker. Um, the uh, yeah, the the the, the, um, the whole situation at the moment with uh, Neves is, is quite uh, quite interesting because I read somewhere on the uh, on the uh, internet on on the social media. I don't know which channel now. I can't remember that he, he couldn't come this way. They can't come this way for quite a long time. And one of the reasons they won't come this way is they'll get hammered for tax. They get hammered, hammered, uh, you know, be, from the inland revenue because they they go out there on a on a, an exemption and they lose it all when they come back if they come back too soon. So uh, there's a lot of thought that uh, that that won't happen because the player wouldn't do it anyway. Um, and I'm not sure I want to see we're playing games like that uh, using the Saudi connection in that way because it feeds it feeds the narrative that we're they were up to no good, and that that just uh, isn't for me at all. So I I think uh, yes, probably one good player, uh, big signing, maybe it's a, uh, secondary signings, um, depending on how much revenue we've got, um, but not not uh, the guy who went to PSG. No, we could do without him. Okay, Mitch, transfer window thoughts. Who would you bring in? Do you think um, is, is never well, essential? I think the breaking news. That the minute seems to be that uh, FIFA have granted the Italian request for Tonali's ban to be extended worldwide, and it's effective immediately. So he's probably ruled out with tomorrow's game, and that's from the, the Athletic Serie A correspondent James Horncastle on Twitter stroke X. So that that's rubbish. But there you go. Uh, at least we know where we're at finally. So it was FIFA holding it up. <laughs> like I said. Football authorities in that antiquated way of communicating. It's ridiculous. Um, transfer window, we've got a bolster midfield, and we need a bolster up front, in my opinion. Ekatike, um, if he's available and Eddie still rates him, I'll trust his judgment. Um, but very much we are in the driving seat when it comes to that potential transfer, not him this time. And not certainly not his stupid agent who I think probably cost him his move. Um, but you know, again, I'm sure there's a there's a list of candidates and a list of people that we want. And uh, I think it, it, it I think is Mark's right. I think it is inevitable that we'll try for a real top striker at some stage. Um, but I also think the one for me um, that I see is um, Calvin Phillips and, and Eddie talking openly about Calvin, Calvin Phillips at some stage uh, which is unusual for him um, and, I, and I wouldn't be unhappy with that signing if we could even get him in on loan uh, or loan with an, with an option um, I'm quite sure the recruitment team's working full steam ahead now to do whatever they want to do in January but I think it'll be centre mid and I think it'll be up front and yes, I would take yeah. anybody that Eddie still rates. At the end of the day, anybody who still rates, if he still rates that player and he thinks there's a player that could be worked on and adapted to our system and could bring something to the table, I'll trust the signing for now. I'm not going to get me knickers in a twist about it. Um, 
just because I think he's he's made everything work so far. His success rate with players who a lot of us had written off um, has been phenomenal. And that's before you start adding new players into the mix. So, yeah. OK, thoughts on the transfer window? I mean, it'll not be long before it's here. We enter, you know, the clocks go back and, you know, we're into November next week, uh, Steve. So we're only talking a couple of months away, eight weeks to be precise. So thoughts? Yeah. Uh, we'll certainly have to go into the transfer window because there there's nothing lurking in the academy that you would look and say, that kid looks good. You know, like we did with Andy Carroll, for example. Uh, all those years ago, there's no, there's no Andy Carroll coming forward that's gonna, you know, snatch a place and in, in, jump into the squad and start scoring goals and suddenly being valued at thirty million. There's nobody like that, so they're gonna have to go into transfer market if they want a striker. Um, which is disappointing. Um, and I think it probably also shows how the academy over the last couple of years, um, hasn't, um. Shall we say matured or grown um, in the way that it could have, and also shows the way the academy has been left to fester over a long period of time, and I mean that both in the selection um, and in the coaching setup. Um, you know, because uh, you see other other clubs and other academies, and I'll, I'll go back to I'll go back to Wednesday and watching the Dortmund under nineteens against our under nineteens, and they they played like the first team; they played controlled. They played as though there was a system. Um, they had a young a young lad playing wide, young lad called Bamba, who um to describe him as fleet of foot would be an understatement. Um boy, did he have some speed and some control. He gave our he gave our right back an absolute mauling. Um they had a young lad up front, uh Rishkov, again, blonde lad. Um his movement, his hold-up play, um, he looked the sort of lad who could slot in and I wouldn't be surprised if a club like Dortmund suddenly had some of these youngsters slotting in as the season progresses um, or for next season. And the young lad that I was with, uh, Henry Blanc, a, a defender, I went into the pub after the uh, before the game and I, I was just chatting to a couple of friends and I just said where, where I'd been and I'd been, this particular player had... Uh, played 60 minutes and then been taken off um, by Dortmund because he'd been told an hour earlier that he was going to be um, moved up and be on the bench on on Wednesday night. So we had to get him from Gateshead over to the first-team hotel. And uh, I didn't mention the name, but the lads who had watched the game um, on TV all rattled off his number and said, was it him? And I said, yes. And they said he looked the part. That kid looked the part. So for just normal fans standing in a pub, having watched a match and seeing a number come up, and then to hear that the, the lad they 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 knew who it was. So there were players like that, but none of them knew any of the Newcastle players. You know, I, the, the the names went nothing um, because there's nothing there at the moment. So we're going to have to go into transfer market. Um, then who do we get? There's some great names being been bandied around. There's some some forwards come from nowhere. Some youngsters come from nowhere this season. Started grabbing goals all over, all over Europe. Um, I still like Laudro Martinez at, at Inter. Um, he he's an, an outstanding footballer. Um, there's a player at Everton who I like if only he was fit, who I think would fit in perfectly with what Eddie Howe does. 
and I know people will scowl, but uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, I think if if you could get a full season out of him, if you could see him fit and see him playing, I think he has the attributes that that an Eddie Howe type of uh, well, certainly Eddie Howe as a as a coach is looking for in a in a, in a footballer. Um, you can you can hold the line, he can score goals, he can head a ball. Um, he's 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 very very gifted, and he's still young. Um, and Everton are in the doldrums, and we don't know where Everton are heading. Um, and it could be that they end up having to, to to get rid of players, and he could be one that you might be able to pick up and take a risk on, um, for a relatively low price, as opposed to a, you know, what he was being quoted or what was being quoted for him a couple of seasons ago, and he was hovering around the England team, which was upwards of sixty million pound. I think you could probably pick him up. Uh, what? Maybe he's fifteen or something like that. Uh, use his injuries as a problem, but you're right. Uh, Gavin, you know, has he ever had a full season? Probably no. Is that something to do with the way that he's been treated and the way he's been looked after and he's been rehabbed at, at Everton? We'll never know. But uh, that's that's where we might end up looking. Um, and if if it was a £15 million buy, um, is that a gamble? Um, is it a gamble worth worth taking? Um, or would would Eddie and the scouts look at it as, as just another risk of... Uh, of an Isak who is obviously slightly made of slightly of glass, and then the 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 problem that we we'll have with uh, with Wilson who come play three games in a in a week um, because of of muscle problems. So I think it's going to be I think it's going to be an interesting time. But uh, I also agree with Mitch that probably centre midfield um, is an area that they're going to have to fill. Um, who would you go for centre midfield? I honestly don't know. <laughs> it's the best yeah. answer I can give you, Steve. That's why Dan Ashworth and Eddie Howe have got the job along with the board. Um, good luck to them uh, in their recruitment. <laughs> and like Mitch says, I trust them to do the job properly. Okay, uh, time for a bit of tune look alike. Okay, uh, Legacy Magpie, uh, thank you for this one. Um, I think that's pretty good, that like. It is. Really definitely got time. the definitely definitely got the look of uh, Big Sam there. Um, the he has, yeah, uh, without doubt a look alike. Yeah, uh, and, and he says a day I met at the same time. Uh, he's got this guy down as Anthony Gordon. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. Thank you for that one, Billy. <laughs> and there's another one, uh, Lee Evans and Stephen Lischsteiner, <laughs> the UV fullback. That is pretty good. That yeah, that's a Tom Dixon one. Wow. Jürgen Klopp. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> Another one from Tom. Yeah. And a Russian hat. I can certainly see that. And Vincent Company versus yeah. the Simpsons. <laughs> Captain Birdseye and one of the backroom staff from Tim. <laughs> and it, Iceman just determined to get me in every week. I think, uh, Steve. Yeah, I, I didn't even need to zoom in. You Steve know, Ray. you know who it is, lads. You know exactly. You know exactly who it is. Um, a Bjork and the dog's backside. <laughs> and the winner this week. That's very good. Thank you, Bison Turnbull, Liberace. Yeah. 
and the Sheffield United Paul Hickenbottom. Paul Hickenbottom. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. So that's the winner this week. Uh, if you've got any lookalikes, get them in and we will feature them on the show. Not football related, lads, but I got sent this this week. Just wondered, um, just a quick, uh, a quick run around the platform. Uh, would you eat this, George? Heinz beans means chocolate. Well, as I'm a chocolate addict, I'm afraid I'd, I'd, I'd try one. I <laughs> give it a try. Yeah. Heinz beans, Heinz beans chocolate, Mitch. Is that for I you? think so. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not for me. Dear me, no, no. Um. And Steve, it's chocolate, so I'd give it a shot. Well, yeah, yeah, I'd definitely give it a shot. I wonder whether it has the same end result as it's in a beans, lads. That's what I was wondering. But yeah, that's, that's a bit worrying. Thanks for that. Actually, my nephew worked for Cadbury's, and he actually worked in that department that um, that had to uh, come up with various crazy concoctions. He did that for about six or eight months down in uh, down in Birmingham, and some of the th- some of the samples he sent us to to try. As part of a panel, dear me, there was <laughs> I, honestly everything from the ones with the chili in, which you know became commonplace, to some really, really strange ones. But he never came up with baked beans, Steve. Never came up with baked beans. Well, there you go. Something, something for everybody. Uh, we'll see whether we'll see whether that takes off. Uh, Steve, before we move on to looking ahead to the game, I, I just want to show this picture. Uh, um, Peter Beardsley, of course. Who's he with, and what's this all about? Well, he's with Davy Craig. Everybody knows Davy, one of the great volunteers at the food bank. Um, always standing on the corner of the Gallagher end opposite the strawberry on match day, uh, sitting rather in his wheelchair um, on match days. And obviously Peter Beardsley. Um, next couple of weeks, Steve, we're going to run a, a, a little um, competition like we did with the T-shirts where people can put a bid in. And Peter has signed, um, we've got three signed tops from him uh, that he signed. They, obviously, that's the that's the shirt, the granddad shirt, nineteen ninety five shirt. Um, Peter very kindly uh, signed them because to help us raise some much needed funds for the food bank as we run up to Christmas. Um, great gesture by Peter. Great gesture by the uh, one of our one of our regular watchers who uh, has bought the shirts um, and donated them for them to be signed in the hope that we can get bids higher than the value of the original shirt, um, which. Again, I mean, just shows you what Newcastle fans are like. I mean, we had another game on on Wednesday night where over three over three thousand pounds was collected prior to the match in that horrible weather, um, and some great volunteers helping out. Um, but yeah, that's what we're going to try for the next couple of weeks. We'll have three of these, one each week, Steve, um, and then just get people to roll the bids in, and they'll pay in the usual way, direct to the food bank, um, and we'll arrange for. Whoever gets the highest bid to uh, to have the shirt posted out to them. Fantastic, wonderful gesture that. Thanks to whoever that was who donated the uh, the shirts, and uh, I will stick that on my Twitter at Steve Wraith uh, when the show finishes tonight. Get bidding, and we'll announce the first winner uh, on the Amigos. Probably in two weeks' time, we'll give you two weeks to be able to yeah. do that because next week's show won't be live. Uh, I'll have to. We're going to have to pre-record it, so it'll be two weeks' time. So you've got two weeks to bid on that one. Could be a nice little present for Christmas for somebody as well. Can okay. Also, can also pass on a, a happy birthday greeting to one of our uh, regular panels panelists for during the week, uh, Kev Chambers, uh, Chavez over in America. Happy birthday, mate! Hope you're doing well. Uh, keep up the good work. Um, we'll not tell people how old you are. We'll wait until you disclose it in a couple of weeks' time 
Um, but uh, you're getting close to that magic 40, mate. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday, Kev. Uh, good luck uh, with uh, the celebrations. I believe they've already started, mate. So uh, happy happy birthday from, from all of us. I believe there's lots of wooden houses in America, so be careful with the candles, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> classic. <laughs> George, I guess you want to pass on your best as well, because obviously you do a few shows with Kev. Of course, of course. Well, yeah, and, and have a, sometimes before we start, have a good uh, chinwag about football and other things. So, yeah, I, I like Kev. And he's, uh, I have to say that the first time I uh, met him, or I didn't meet him, or seen him on here, he was going to a, a game with uh, with his two lads. And I was looking to see how proud the two lads were. And I said to him, I said, they're, they're two lovely lads. And he, they're, they're mine, he says. Well, I was taking them back. So, no, all the best to them. All the best to them. Okay, uh, just, just for everybody there, the Newcastle shirts I will put on Twitter in about five minutes' time, and uh, you can start bidding on them there. So I've seen a couple of people saying, can we put, uh, can we can, can we bid, can we bid? Uh, just stick your bid underneath the uh, tweet. It has to be done that way so everybody can see. It's got to be a bit transparent uh, for, for the people uh, online. Okay, so Newcastle United take on Wolves at Molyneux. 5.30 kickoff live on Sky Sports. And uh, 3,000 away tickets have been sold for, for the last couple of weeks now. Uh, obviously, injuries to Harvey Barnes and Sven Botman, Alexander Isaac, Jacob Murphy and Elliot Anderson. Tonali, as we've just uh, broken the news there now, Mitch broke the news. Uh, that uh, he is now suspended uh, from all football uh, FIFA directives. So uh, that is uh, Tonali out of the game now tomorrow as well. Joe Willick, though, is in line to make his first Premier League appearance of the season as long as he hasn't suffered any reaction. Bruno is available tomorrow, although he is teetering on the uh, the precipice of a suspension. He has got four yellow cards, gets one more, and he'll miss the Arsenal game the following week. He will be el eligible, I believe, to play in the Carabao Cup, though, against Manchester United. Uh, OK, as always, uh, we do build up the game uh, by bringing in Toonstack... Hello, oh, Wolverhampton away on Saturday, a game that I'm going to see live tomorrow afternoon. What are the stats showing us? In 16 games in the Premier League, Newcastle has won four and lost only two. This means that there are the record 10 draws between the two teams. Actually, in Wolverhampton in particular, there are six 1-1 draws, one win for Newcastle by 2-1, and one defeat by Wolverhampton by 2-1, that famous last game under Ashley's ownership. When it comes to Newcastle, we are five, five games unbeaten in the Premier League with four wins, with uh, all of them coming with clean sheets. Wolverhampton on their own are on a run of four games without a defeat, which is their best performance in the league since January 2022. Newcastle are the top scorers in the division with 24 goals and they lead also on XG, converted chances, chances created, and they are an attacking threat overall. Callum Wilson has scored five goals only for 330 minutes, which makes it a goal every 66 minutes, which is the best ratio in the Premier League. Kieran Trippier with six assists leads the Premier League rankings, but also Pedro Neto from Wolverhampton has six assists so far this season, and he's on track to beat the record for an assist per season by an Wolverhampton player. So far, this is Adama Traore with nine three years ago. Let's see what happens on a Saturday after a bruising game against Borussia Dortmund in midweek. 
but I believe in the let's let's go for the win. Okay, thank you, Andrea, and uh, enjoy the game. Wolves are missing Hugo Bueno uh, and Joe Hodge um, through injury, uh, but Mario Lamina and Nelson Semedo will both be available after completing their recent suspensions. And Gary O'Neill's team are in a good reign of, uh, vein of form at the moment, uh, unbeaten in the last three Premier League outings. They had a 2-1 win uh, at home over Manchester City. Then they had an away win against Bournemouth, 2-1. Uh, in between that, they had a 1-1 draw with Aston Villa at home. Uh, referee, uh, well, it's his first game with Newcastle this season. It's Anthony Taylor. Last time he took charge of a Newcastle United game was the 3-1 Premier League home victory over Southampton in April. And on VAR is Jared Gillette. OK, if you were going to the game tomorrow, Scunny Mag has sent in his usual video uh, to give you a lowdown on where to park and where to drink. Hi folks, Scunny Mag Paul here. We've got Wolves at the weekend. It's coming up. There's plenty of car parking around the ground. You can book the club ones through the club website itself, but they do go pretty fast. Your council car parks, it's strongly advised to book those in advance. There's usually a lot of road closures around the ground, making it difficult to get into and out of some of those, but there's very limited street parking. So my advice would be get booked in somewhere if you're driving down. There's an Asda just north of the ground, don't park in there you will get a ticket if you come in on the coaches you'll get dropped off closer to the stadium there is a fan zone with a mix of supporters it opens about two and a half hours before kickoff you can get food and drink and that in there i can't speak personally because i've not used it myself i tend to go to the designated away pub which is the blue brick it is just behind the train station so it's handy for people coming out on train you're gonna be needing wolverhampton train station if you are doing that you come out of the train station turn right go right under the railway bridge and it's just on your right next to the premier inn but i've been doing a little bit of digging and there is a second pub that will allow away fans in it's aimed at the the older generation i think it's what used to be the platforms of the original train station so it's railway themed it's called the great western the great western railways and you've got loads of train memorabilia around there it serves real ale and they do it well this is also going to mean you're not going to find a cheap pint of lager in there so lager and singing blue brick relaxing pint of real ale in a mixed atmosphere the great western the blue brick is whiskey victor one zero zero bravo alpha with your what three words of handed epic salsa and the great western just along the back of the train station is at whiskey victor one zero zero delta golf and larger older towns because it's the only designated pub they are pretty well set up for a match day they have lots of stuff on but it's packed you're gonna be queuing if you're thinking of staying over the premier inn is probably the best for away fans with it being right on the doorstep of the blue brick and that's got the same post code whiskey victor one zero zero bravo alpha and your what three words to get into the reception is bake baked salad which sounds like a revolting lunch once you're ready to head up the ground you're going to be in the east stand which is the steve bull stand you'll head up from the ring road with the stadium in front of you head down the right hand side of it you'll go a little over halfway down and then you'll be able to filter down into the outer cordon where there'll be searches and ticket checks in place it's like a three-stage thing to get through before you actually get into the stadium and you what three words for that first check area is them passes finishing have a cracking day i've been paul take care you come out of the train station turn right go right under the way under the <laughs>
Thanks to Screen Mag for leaving his blooper in as well. Uh, but uh, great stuff. He does his research and uh, always great to have him on. Um, he did do a book as well, uh, which um, is about away games and away travel. So uh, hook him up on uh, on Twitter, Scunny Mag. Give him a follow. And uh, if he's got any books left, I'm sure he will be able to sell you one. Uh, okay, uh, George, um, this is a big game because it's your next game. Uh, no easy games in the Premier League. And uh, a team that's in good form, George Wolves, at the moment. And... You know, Eddie Howe mentioned the game last season. Um, we went down there. It was pretty much at the start of the season. We drew 1-1. Uh, you'll remember that wonder goal from ASM, uh, which clinched a, uh, clinched us a point. Um, but but all in all, this is this is a tough game, isn't it? In in the middle of a lot of in the middle of a lot of tough games coming up over the next over the next few weeks. It is, and uh, something we've got to get used to. And uh, it's as simple as that. Um, I must say, I'm watching. Wolves beat uh, North uh, Bournemouth, which must have been sweet for the manager. Um, they look very good. I mean, uh, Bournemouth were never going to win that game. It was always, always Wolves. So, um, you know, they, they, they really, uh, really took Bournemouth apart at, at times. So, yes, tough game, but we, we, we've got the ammunition and the, and the skill to uh, to beat them. I think keep them quiet for a while. Um, what I found interesting on Wednesday night was that. Uh, for the first time in my life, I'd seen a team that set up to stop a fullback. Trippier was marked out of the game, which was odd. You usually expect that for big strikers. So it'd be interesting to see if anybody else tries that. Um, there's no doubt if he's if he's on form, he's he's going to make quite a difference to to our setup. Um, I think we've got the the skill and the energy to uh, to take Wolves on Saturday. It is, it, but it is an important one. Not to lose that one would be would be really great and uh, uh, a big fill up for the lads when they when they're working so hard for everything else. So, um, but I think I, I'm still confident that we can get something out of the game. Okay, Mitch, big game this for us. Um, we need to keep it is the momentum going in the Premier League, don't we? Yeah, that's that's the key word, mate. Um... It, and it, some of it may depend which Wolves turn up because the Wolves that did well against uh, Bournemouth and the Wolves that managed to beat Man City, it's also the same Wolves that lost dreadfully to Crystal Palace and got absolutely true, thumped true, off Brighton true. at home. True. And, and so it's like, which one of these are going to turn up? They really, their problem, if you look at their results this season, seems to be an absolute lack of consistency. Um, and so that's possibly something to exploit. Um, but at home, they do seem to be um, under a little more pressure at home. They seem to play better away for me. Um, so, as I say, I think it much depends on which Wolves turns up as it does what we do. Same as ever, if we apply ourselves and put our effort in, you know, let's look back at Dortmund. We hit the bar twice. For the width of a bar, that could have been a very different result. Um, so if we just keep applying ourselves and do what we do well, we should be able to look after Wolves no matter which team we send out. Um, but I think we also have to have one eye in mind that this is a, the first of a run of five games that are all very, very difficult. Um, and so we'll kind of take it for granted at all, and I'm sure we won't. Um, and I just think we need to see the Newcastle United that... Um, applied itself beautifully against PSG uh, and not the one that didn't really turn up down to Brighton myself, you know. So 
Um, but certainly that's the thing. When I think about Wolves, I think of the lack, absolute lack of consistency. And yes, they might be on a four-game unbeaten run, but runs like that are there to be broken. OK, Steve, tough, tough fixture this. Um, they're in good form. Yeah, they are, uh, and they're scoring goals. I mean, I think they've only there's only one in the last fourteen games, isn't it? That they that they haven't managed to put the ball in the back of the net. And um, in Neto, they've got a midfielder who uh, is creating assists for a striker who it looks like he could, you know, he's on target to, if he scores tomorrow to have scored in these last six games, which is quite an achievement for for a striker in the Premier League to to go on a run like that. Um, would we class it as a potential banana skin? I don't know whether that's the, the phrase to use it, but it's potentially a game that Newcastle United um, could slip up on unless they've got all their faculties together and, and concentrate for the full 90 minutes and there's no hangover from from midweek. Um, Positionally-wise, I'm, I'm looking at the potential team and basically it, it, it writes itself because of the injuries. Um, the only question mark for me would be if... With the games that are coming up, would Eddie Howe, bearing in mind he took him off on, on Wednesday night, would he leave out Nick uh, Dan Byrne and play Target? Because I think Target had a fairly decent uh, outing when he came on. But I think Target's the sort of player who needs a run of a couple of games for to get up to match speed. And we've got five games coming up in, in, in very quick succession. Uh, important games, you know, starting tomorrow and then the cup match against Man United, Arsenal, uh, and then Champions League action. So I'm wondering whether or not, of all of them, that's the position that he could tinker with. Um, it doesn't sound like Botman's going to be available. Um, so Lascelles and Shaw will continue. Whether Shaw will have as an easier game as he had last week, where I, I, Mitch has often equated playing centre-back to being a bit like a quarterback in American football. But dear me, did we see a quarterback performance um, where Shaw, I don't think, I think his, his shirt would have been bone dry when he came off last last Saturday. Um, I've never seen a player ping a ball around a pitch as much as he did. Um, and it was dropping on toes to the left and to the right. Um, an absolutely brilliant performance. But midfield, I think we've only got Longstaff, J7 and Bruno. I don't think, I, I personally wouldn't risk Willock. Um, I think he came on on Wednesday night, probably ahead of time. And I think if, if Eddie could have kept him on the bench, he probably would have. Um, although having said that, the lad did okay when he came on, but he's been out for a long time and I'm wondering whether he needs another couple of short run outs before he then uh, risks a, a starting place for him. Um but Willick is is a class act when he gets his act together. Um, but I, he possibly needs a few games. We shouldn't be putting too much pressure on the lad. Um, so it's going to be difficult, I think. Um, but we've got to go in with a positive mind. Do we with the with any any concerns over how Dortmund went? Because you're right, Mitch. Width of a crossbar, shaving of a bit of wood could have could have been totally different. Could have also been different if. Players have put their chances away. Gordon had two good chances in the first half. He had a good chance in the second. Um, Wilson had a good chance when he came on. Um, and I saw somebody earlier mentioned about 
the free kick situation and about if Tonali had a played, we should be allowing him to take some of the set pieces. Well, everything goes through Trippier at the moment, but there was a debate on Wednesday night where Trippier and, and Shaw lined up to take a free kick, if you remember. The conversation seemed to go on for all of two minutes while the referee sorted himself out for Trippier and then blazed the ball 15 yards over the crossbar. So so I think we need to... Yeah, I, he, he can drop some great crosses in and he, he dropped an excellent cross in for for Lascelles, which just shaved the top of Lascelles' head when, and the goalkeeper pushed it wide when in any other game... Um, if Lascelles had just jumped that little bit higher, it would have been a would have been a different kettle of fish, and again could have could have changed the outcome of the game. So, I think we just need to be a little bit more composed. And as jo- as George said, they did put pressure on Trippier because the Somers are our, our main outlet, and I think that's probably what's going to happen uh, as the season progresses because the threat of Trippier um, and Almiron and the way they combined down that down that right-hand side is something to behold when it comes off. It's a nightmare when it doesn't, by the way. <laughs> uh, Bruno obviously risks suspension, George. I mean, Eddie Howe, uh, you know, he's struggling for personnel anyway. He's one booking away from a yellow card, which would see a suspension. A few people suggesting in the chat about potentially either, you know, not playing him tomorrow so that he's available for Arsenal at home. But, I guess Eddie Howe's philosophy is the next game is the most important game. He won't be looking at the Manchester United game. He won't be looking at the Arsenal game. He'll be focused on on getting the points tomorrow. So, what would you do if you were in charge? Would you would you drop Bruno tomorrow and and keep him for the the following week, or would you play him tomorrow? No, I would play him tomorrow if he's if he's able to play. I would play him. Um, the, the, all these. Uh, Stop-start issues are, are double-barreled, aren't they? You leave him out this time, and he goes on next time, and uh, and picks up an injury or something daft like that. No, I would, I would play him tomorrow, and uh, uh, just hope and pray that he doesn't get a yellow card. But if if he does, he does. That's part of the game, and we've got to get used to it. And uh, you you can you can paint yourself into a corner doing all this uh, dropping and not dropping and playing and not playing business. It. Uh, it doesn't always work, and it, it what you, when you think you've got it boxed off, uh, as I say, something like a stupid injury turns it all upside down. So, no, my view is uh, if he's fit, he plays, and uh, we'll get the best out of him while we can. Okay, Mitch, Bruno, would you drop him tomorrow so that he's available for the following week? I think Bruno plays better when he's on a yellow. So maybe it's the mindset tomorrow is to send him out that right. You're on a yellow from the first minute, mate. Mm. I think he calms down when he picks the yellow card up and he makes better decisions and he he, he thinks about his football more and so that's how I think you've got to send him out you play him, he's got to play you know, he's, when he's on form we tick, we're ticking away that nobody else can make him tick and so you've got to play him, you've got to get him in there um, and if he picks up a yellow he picks up a yellow, so be it, that's football we all know the rules we all know the rules. Um, and as frustrating as that might be, that may be then an opportunity somebody else is prepared to grab with two hands going into a big game like Arsenal. Uh, yes, you would want them in there. Yes, you would want them fit and, and available for Arsenal. Uh, but it is what it is. But my, my thought process would have them going out there thinking they're already on a yellow play like that. Because I think the player's better when he's on a yellow. Okay, what's your thoughts, Steve, on Bruno? What would you do? 
Well, in, in some of the performances after he's been booked, you would have to say yes. He, he becomes a little bit more disciplined. He, he doesn't throw himself in to some of the tackles that he does at the start of a game um, because he then concentrates on doing what he does best, and that's with the ball at his feet, not when he's diving in to try and win the ball back. He shouldn't have to be diving in to win the ball back. He's a, he, For me, he's not that sort of midfielder. Um, and when he does, I mean, some of the some of the bookings he's had, I thought, were, were, were soft bookings. But uh, that makes no difference. They're still they're still yellow cards, so they still mount up. You know, there's no appeal or anything like that against them. Um, Eddie's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't, isn't he? You know, if he if he plays him and he gets booked, he'll get slagged off. If he doesn't play him and we'll get beat, he'll be he'll be called chicken for not playing him. So that's 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 football. Um, it's up to the player himself. You know, to not. Uh, Bruno has to go in with the mindset that I'm the best footballer on this pitch. I don't need to throw myself around. People need to throw themselves into me, and uh, I'll do me. I'll do me work uh, with the ball at my feet because when he has the ball at his feet, I don't think there's anyone, certainly very few in the Premier League, that can find space the way that he does. I mean, he he, he can find space standing on a sixpence, can't he? Uh, show me age there, sixpence. Everybody's now well, actually, the one because most people are our age that watch the show, so they'll all know what a sixpence is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is why, I, which is why, I, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go into tickets and about singing and old people in grounds and too many old season ticket holders. I'll keep out of that one. Uh, Zara, thanks. <laughs> Just reminded us. She said, "Don't mention it." Um, but no, that that. That's what he is good at. He he finds space. He, he he's remarkable at, at finding space, and he's a joy to watch. That that little push that he has, where he he, he brings the ball under control and he just pushes it a yard forward, just to give him that little bit of time. The way he can drop his shoulder, the way he can spin round. Um, I love how he loses players. I love how he he loses his marker, and then he goes back and loses them again. You know that that's the sign of a of, of a super confident footballer, um, at his best. Um, and I'd like to see him up against uh, Arsenal in a in a week's time, but I also want to see him tomorrow playing for playing for Newcastle against West Brom and bringing three points home. Okay, time to get your West predictions. Brom, where did they get West Brom from? West Brom, will they have will they have Wanderers? Yeah, um, George, what's your prediction? The man, right part of the country, Steve. Yes. Um Well, I, I'm still on a two nil from the other night. Two nil, two nil to us. Okay, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. Mitch, what's the dice say? The dice says, and remember, this week, this week's what three words if you want to get in the ground, a vile fungal infection. Um, <laughs> the dice says, nil 2-0 to Newcastle. Wow, that's a confident hey. set, yeah. set of dice. Exactly the same as George and uh, Steve. Well, what's your actual prediction, Mitch? I think we'll get a draw. We draw, we'll get so many draws there. And, uh, and it, it, you know, I think I'd take a draw away from home any Premier League game. Okay. Steve? I'm going for a one-all draw as well, Steve. I think that uh, it, it it is one of those grounds that um, lends itself to us coming away with a point. Um, no matter how we get it, we'll be happy with it. It's an away point, um, not a defeat. And picking up a point at, at Wolves... With the the team that we're going to be putting out, with the lack of depth that we've got on the bench, um, because we are, I, I listed some players' names there, and the only one that that, that I'm questioning, and I've yet to establish whether he's injured uh, still, is Matt Ritchie. 
But I, I know that you're in the Matt Ritchie fan club, so you'll have an answer for that one, Steve. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is threadbare at the moment with the injury problems um, because the players that are out are players that would have probably been in with a shout if Eddie wanted to make a slight change. And I think his hands are tied now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, um, great show tonight, chaps. Just want to plug um, a couple of things. An evening with Malcolm McDonald and John Gibson um, is uh, on at the Coaching Horses in Anfield playing. Uh, get yourself to the, the bar if you want to buy tickets for that. It's the Coaching Horses at Anfield playing. Tickets are a tenner, and that is uh, Thursday, the 30th of November. Uh, also, that's, being against. That's supporting a great little football club as well. Uh, when we lived in County Durham, Joss played for that field playing quite a bit. And uh, yeah, canny little club. Yeah, good people up there. Uh, so there you go. And Teesside to Dortmund, 7th of November, 12 o'clock. Uh, tickets are on sale from War Flights. So get yourself in touch with the guys. Nobby Solano will be doing a talk in at the airport at Teesside International Airport and then be getting on the plane to Dortmund with you. So well worth going uh, along to that. And a couple of events. With his on- trumpet. With his trumpet and a couple, a couple of events on Woucher. Uh, just get yourself onto Woucher. Uh, tickets to see Nobby Solano. I think are nineteen pound on Woucher uh, for uh, an evening at the uh, Irish Centre, nineteenth of January. And there's an evening with Peter Beardsley uh, on the twelfth of January at the Irish Centre. Again, tickets are nineteen pound on Woucher. So get yourself on there. Uh, get yourself on Woucher. Maybe get somebody a, a nice little Christmas present and uh, or just treat yourself, uh, lads. Coming to an end, uh, had a great week. Uh, thank you to George. Thanks to Mitch. Thanks to Steve Hasty. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks to all the moderators. Thanks to everybody in the chat. As usual, uh, almost 500 watching again tonight. We'll never take that for granted. Yes. Thanks very much. Thank take care, you, guys. everybody. Thank Good you. Night. Are we the lads? Night, everybody. Yes, everyone.